Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Brian Horvath. He is a speaker, coach, and consultant who helps people to know, live, and love the purpose of their career and finances. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Amy. Thanks so much for serving people and for allowing me to serve with you today. I'm glad to be here. Yes. So can you share your journey with us on how you became an expert in finance and career fulfillment? Well, I found out the way to do that is to untie your shoelaces from each other, meaning that I would tie my shoelaces together so many times in my life. I think I self-sabotaged me and my efforts so many times. I basically learned from doing things the wrong way and then finding out, I don't want to do this the wrong way anymore. I need help. So I sought out mentors and books and resources. I don't think we had podcasts back then, but definitely got information I needed to help me change my life. And then I found that I really like you know, doing my money better. I really like enjoying my career and being more fulfilled than I was before. And gosh darn it, I want to help other people do the same thing. So that got me on that uh, that purposeful journey to do that. And here I am helping people just like you are. I think you mentioned as well that you were able to get go debt-free and uh, thrive in that area. Many times I became debt-free. What I mean by that is when I was a single guy and just about to be 30, I think it was into my, just started my 30th year of life here, that I realized I didn't want to have the stressors that debt had brought me as a young man. Even though I was making six-figure income and doing well and that kind of stuff, it was how I managed money that was really the issue with me. And that meant, like many Americans do, or many people in the world, we spend more than we make. I mean, that's a statistic that's out there. It's measured. And I was definitely one of those people trying to lead that charge, it seemed like, because I definitely had more debt than I had money coming in. I ended up filing bankruptcy at the age of 25 when I thought life was supposed to be beginning as a single guy. It really felt like I was already a financial failure. And so that was one of the ways I became debt free, but that's not what I advise people. And then, you know what, Amy, that didn't really change me. That really didn't change my habits or my actions. It changed my position, my financial position. It beat me up in my, I felt a lot of shame, actually. Stuff that happened after bankruptcy, oh, I thought I'd feel this freedom and this refresh of this chance to start over. You know, I had a lot of shame because I felt like a failure. And technically, I was a financial failure, if you will, at the time because I filed bankruptcy. But years later, I still had debt. I still had student loans that was not bankruptable. That was a big nut to crack. And then I also had some car loans or a car loan. And I realized I don't want to live with that either. I want to get rid of that and start following a plan to be able to pay off all my debt. And at the age of 30, I was able to become debt-free and was, wow. I mean, it was like a brand new start. It was exciting. And uh, not many people my age didn't have a student loan, at least those I hung out with. So I got rid of that too. It was great. Yeah. So that was the first time. And then I got married. My wife and I met. We had the same ideas about money, the same principles. She had some debt and we were able to get that out of our lives as well after some years, we including paying off our mortgage. So, yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. Thanks. So in walking through your journey, what are you grateful for now? Yeah, I think I'm grateful for those lessons. I mean, I think I'm grateful for those mistakes. When I speak to folks or speak to organizations or individuals, I talk talk to them about not being buried under the mountain of mistakes, but building on top of it. Almost like using it as manure, right? I mean, the manure helps things grow, right? I was using those bad decisions as bad choices, but not leaving them in the garbage bin to go away forever, but to use them to build upon, to use them to say, I don't ever want to go back there. But in the meantime, you know, how do I help others escape that or not go there themselves? And so that really is something I'm grateful for is just that change of position and mindset as well. 
and not celebrating those experiences as much, right? Because they weren't the ones to be celebrated, but to learn from them and to help others in the same way. What has been your intention when developing the coaching and consulting business that you are now? Yeah. So my little motto or mantra, if I have, is to help people know, live, and love the purpose for their career in finances. And so for me, I was chasing like the secret of my success. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. Yeah. It's like 1985 or something. Michael J. Fox here. He is a guy from Kansas, you know, trying to go to Manhattan to lead a a multinational conglomerate. And, you know, he was going to do that in a matter of 90 minutes as long as the movie lasted. Right. And so for me, for somehow, some way I took that as being, that was going to be my journey. That was going to happen for me. And not that I ever lived in New York. That really, you know, was something that I saw as truth. And I think what I did was I put my purpose in life as being, let me chase the corner office in some big, you know, building, some high rise. I may have the income to go with it. And then let me be able to just have that climb that corporate ladder and have that title. And I realized by, like I was saying earlier, tying my shoelaces together, tripping and falling over my own mistakes, that that is not the purpose of life. The purpose of life is much greater than that. The fulfillment of life is much greater than that. It's not all about Brian. It's not all about me. I want people to realize that their career and finances are important. They are tools, however, to help us accomplish our overall life purpose. They are not the focus or not the purpose in life. That's really what prompted me to speak, to consult, to coach out of many experiences in W2 work that led me to this place because I was not ready out of the gate of the idea that I want to have my own business. I had to go through the hard times, the rough times, personal journey, but also what it's like to coach others, what it's like to write plans to consult others and to help others through similar kinds of journeys or to help those leaders help their people that they lead in their organizations. So I really believe it's about chasing the right purpose and using the right tools to get that done. And that's kind of really what was my intention because too many folks chase the career like I did and too many folks, I believe, chase the money like I have. And that can really be detrimental to their overall accomplishment of their life purpose. How do you help organizations with employee retention, job performance, and company profits? Yeah, it's really exciting. I'll kind of share a story. So I was in the wine and spirits business years ago. This is multiple jobs ago, multiple years ago. But I remember one Friday, and I loved what I did. I really enjoyed it because it helped me build relationships. I got to be part of a, you know, enjoying food and wine and culture. It was exciting. And I remember going to my boss there, Rich was his name. I said, Rich, uh, we didn't get paid today. And he goes, yeah, I'm aware of that. There's some glitch in the matrix or something. I don't know, but no one got paid. And the salespeople, you know, we're motivated by a lot of things, but it's nice to have those commissions come in when you made that sale, you know, your sweat equity that went into serving your client. And so here I am because I didn't manage my money well, freaking out. I had just spent my money the night before at the bar or something like that, probably at a credit card and that credit card was knocking, rent was due and so on and so forth. And here I am in a tizzy, stressed out to the max. He was like a VP. I went like two levels above my bosses because I wanted, I needed paid, Amy. My mistakes were catching up with me. And so while I loved what I did, when there's mistakes like that and they don't seem to value the major thing called income, you know, paying their people. And again, it was a mistake and all that kind of stuff. I use that. But I think that's where a lot of challenges can come is that there's a lot of people, 75% of people in America live paycheck to paycheck. That means whether they're a business owner, they're an employee of a business, in a business, And I think when employers recognize those stresses that people are experiencing right under their leadership, even though it might be work leadership, there are real felt needs. And those real felt needs take you away from the job you're called to be doing in that work. And so when it looks at employee retention, well, if an employee is knocking on the door of the business owner, the CEO of the company or their hiring manager or whatever the case may be, HR, they're saying, I need paid more because I got this problem at home called I don't know how to manage my money. And what's going to solve is being paid more. 
Well, we know that's really not the answer because like it did for me and many others, that money will slip through our fingers and our hands as well. So they go find another job. They think money is going to solve their problem, which means they cost the employer about 70, 50 to 75% of their annual salary in turnover costs. So that is eating into the bottom line and the profitability of the business owner. It's stealing hours from their productivity at work and it's causing them to leave anyway. All that can be met at the pass, cut off at the pass, if the employer sees that opportunity to serve their people in their work and help them, everybody win. Productivity goes up, retention goes up, and profitability goes up for everybody. And there's fulfillment all around. That's some problems I try to identify and solve for employers. I like that. So if there's someone listening that feels they're out of touch with their purpose, what piece of advice would you give them? for folks that are kind of questioning that purpose, that's a good thing. First of all, good, because it's causing you to consider your very next steps or how you're living your life. I think that's a good thing that you're even asking those questions of yourself and of the journey you're in. So I would say, grab some uninterrupted time, put your phone in airplane mode or whatever it is, set a timer for 30 minutes, grab a blank sheet of paper, find a nice place to sit in. For me, I like to go out to a little park in our neighborhood and put my laptop away and just grab my pen and pad and just ask yourself two questions. Ask yourself, what do I do best? Just brainstorm that, like you can call it, you know, bullet form, just brainstorm. What do you think you do best? And that could be sourced from a number of different ways. Jobs you had in the past you liked, what people say about you, employee reviews, you know, customer notes of appreciation, whatever the case may be, that can be sourced from many different ways, what you do best and who needs it the most. And I think those two questions, just boiling answer to those, you know, who needs it the most could be individuals. It could be companies. It could be domestic, international. It could be educational. It could be nonprofit. It could be W2 work, whatever the case may be, or even specific, you know, authors, lawyers, doctors, you know, you know, salespeople, whatever, who needs most, what you do best. And then draw a circle around it or put a foundation to it and call it, I'm seeking to serve. Have that philosophy, that mindset, not about what you can do for yourself, but what you can do for others. And kind of like that John F. Kennedy quote, right? You know, ask not what, you know, your country can do for you. And you take that presence with you wherever you go. Now that I know what I do best, that's going to lead me closer to my purpose. Like, why on earth am I here? Why was I made? What am I supposed to do? Because I often say to me too, like a hammer makes a great driver of nails, but a horrible shovel, right? You could probably dig a hole with a hammer. I mean, how long it's going to take, how well the hole is dug, I don't know. Not too good. You can hit a nail with a shovel. You could miss and break something. You could injure yourself. They can do those things, but not as well as the others uh, switching those two things. And so I think for a lot of folks, we get all caught up. We don't even think about the question. We just go to daily routine, in, out, in, out. You know, Monday, what is that old saying? Thank God it's Friday. Oh, no, it's Monday. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that. Yeah. Is there going to be days like that? Of course. Is living our life on purpose easy? Absolutely not. But at the end of the day, we can put our head to bed and go, that was a good day. I was on purpose. And I think we're better served when we ask ourselves, what do I do best? Who needs it the most? And how can I seek to serve them today? That's good. So what are your seven ways to manage money more effectively? Yeah. So I have a course called seven ways in seven days to change your financial future forever. And these are things I've learned from mentors. These are things I've read myself, things I grew up with. I think things I think God's given me to write down to share with people, you know, all kinds of sources of inspiration and a lot of dedication. And of course, my own life journey came up with these seven ways. And the first way I think is people need to build a firm foundation for their finances. And quickly what that is, is just, there may be some scripts we need to flip. 
right? Flip the script. There might be some things we need to erase, whether it's limiting beliefs, or I call it the resistance. I think it was, there was a book I read called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. He talks about the resistance, the things that anytime you step up to do something good, boom, you can expect and anticipate there's going to be some resistance. Um, So we want to erase those things and build a better foundation for our finances. Secondly, we want to talk about how to create a winning game plan. Money is tangible. Money is qualitative and quantitative but it's definitely quantitative. We can create a game plan that's able to measure our success, just like a football coach, basketball coach, you name any sport. They're going to come up with a game plan. They're going to try some things out of the gate to start. Then they're going to try, track, modify as they need to go. And there's four quarters to a game or two halves. It's not like I tried it one week and it didn't work. I quit. When you can see the forest for the trees, you know, it's helpful. So we talk about step two or way number two. Number three is how to start saving something. Most people don't have, I think, I don't know what the crazy stat is, but most people don't have $400 to pull in an emergency. They don't have $1,000. They have to go borrow that money as I did too, to be able to cover something of an expense. And a lot of times there's expenses shouldn't even have been emergencies, but we chalked them up for that because of poor planning. Again, been there, done that. Number four would be to, I want to help people to realize contentment, that it's just stuff. Things, money, possessions, the things we like, you know, get concerned about. A lot of times it's just stuff. We don't have to have it. It's more we want to have it. And those aren't bad. But how do we prioritize and focus on those needs at once? We talk about that. Number five is how to destroy your debt. I love destroy it. I mean, destroy it from the actual financial, the negative that you're in to get rid of that, but also to the mindset. How do we destroy that? How do we defeat the debt monster that needs to be breathing down our neck all the time and things like that? And then number six, we talk about it's better to give. I want to help people foster a household, a culture, a perspective of generosity you know, you're out there serving people all the time. You're serving me by allowing me to even share here. I mean, you're helping me even get better by sharing. I mean, that's a culture of generosity. But when we're too focused on how do I make the next dollar? How do I hold on to the next dollar? Whatever the case may be, we lose that opportunity to give. And I think it's better to give than to receive. And number seven is about, it's not ours. I mean, this is meant to be shared. This is meant to be given. We understand where it comes from. And personally, I'm on personal faith. I believe that God gives us the opportunity to earn an income. He gives me the opportunity to build things, to sell things, to share things. I mean, so I just want people to have a perspective. It may involve faith. It may not. But let's be really careful about if we think it's all about us, we're really going to set ourselves up for failure. So those are my seven ways I share. I love those. They're very impactful and they definitely resonate with me. And I too when I got my vision for my business was back in 2012, where I really felt God wanted me to help people make money. And I didn't, I didn't think that it sounded very spiritual. I resisted it for years, clearly for years. (laughs) I ran from it, wanted to do more like regular ministry stuff. And then when I discovered that the highest form of biblical giving is teaching people how to make money because you solve the problem for them. It's not giving to orphans and widows, which I always thought it's teaching people how to make money. I realized that I was called to the highest form of giving. And so I think that, you know, a lot of people need to realize that we can be spiritual and also practical with things like finances. So I think that's very powerful. So you also help people harness LinkedIn for their careers. How do you do that? Yeah, I had the blessing of being hired to do some part-time work years ago by a guy named Greg Wells. He taught me a lot about LinkedIn. And I've then taken the stuff we've already talked about even in this time together today and applied it to LinkedIn. And so I really want people to have LinkedIn, look at LinkedIn, not as just another social media platform, but and not even just another networking platform, but the best 
online networking platform that exists today. And a lot of what I share, no matter if LinkedIn could go away tomorrow, the same stuff I share will still help people in the next thing or what have you. But what I want to help people do is to realize that their profile should not be all about, again, patting themselves on the back, sharing that they're the best. I want people to seek to serve even on LinkedIn. I want people to showcase their value by seeking to serve problems that are out there, right? So helping people realize that they understand the problems in the marketplace or wherever the marketplace may be, whether it's nonprofit, for-profit, again, it's educational institutions, government, doesn't matter, but they can see and understand the problem and that they bring solution to that problem. So I want them to be able to understand the two main purposes of LinkedIn. I want them to be able to showcase their value. I do also want them to understand all the algorithms and how to write copy or keywords, which really intimidates a lot of people and it's not as hard as they think it is. And so when I come alongside with them with my ultimate LinkedIn profile course or my how to make the right connections classes on LinkedIn classes and all that stuff, it's really helping them realize, take a deep breath. Remember that you have a purpose and that purpose here is to seek to serve. How are we going to best do that? And let's make sure we showcase that value that you're going to add to people and to organizations. So that really has worked out well. I think it's taken off the intimidation factor. It's helped them understand the technology and help them hopefully connect with those hiring managers, recruiters, headhunters, those people that can really make a difference in someone's career. That's great. So can you share some of your client success stories? Yeah, I think a lot of times with money, the success stories I have for people is helping them eliminate debt. You know, one lady, Cindy, she said, Brian, I was just looking up some of those old testimonials and thinking like, wow. It's encouragement to us, right, too, as content creators, as, as coaches, as, you know, marketers as well, whatever we decide to do. And really, we need to look back at that for ourselves. Remember why you know, we're on purpose and what our purpose is. And one of them was, Brian, you know, listen to your podcast, come into your trainings. I was able to eliminate $9,000 in credit card debt and like at less than a year. And this is somebody I know that was out of work. So it wasn't somebody that just didn't have the money. They just were frozen on what to do with it but they realized the stress was eliminated when it started getting their money working for them, growing their assets, reducing their liabilities. And guess what? In the process, she got a new job too. Because I think you just carry yourself well. Her name is Cindy. I just remember she goes, I got the job. I got it. And just because you just walk in with a different presence, a different, I don't want to say aura, but a different light. And, And Cindy was able to do that. In the recent LinkedIn thing, I just had a recent client. His name's Scott. He's you know white collar professional. He does ERP implementations and helps folks enterprises with the resources and their planning. And he didn't even have a lot of connections on LinkedIn, which is part of what I share with people how to make the right connections. But what we did was we really tweaked his keywords, we really tweaked his message, and how he was able to connect with people just by some simple Amy little tips and tricks I use. I call it the LinkedIn lever putting a couple of things there, keywords, network, and some relevancy pieces that help people really add keywords they don't think it would be out of place, but they're not, and they're used well for networking. And all of a sudden, he had all these headhunters and recruiters calling him, and he got three job offers in a matter of like three weeks that are, two of them were more than he even expected he would earn in this role because he focused on that ERP point as opposed to he could do a bunch of different things, but he focused and now he's going, how do I turn the recruiter faucet off? I don't need to talk to any more recruiters. And so that's just a success story. He only had 67 connections on his LinkedIn profile. That's it. Wow. And, and that's not a lot for getting seen by a lot of different hiring managers, recruiters, but because we dialed in his keywords, we dialed in his intentionality. And because he's good at what he does, he was able to interview well and get the job. So what do you think your truth has been that has gotten you this far in your journey? That I have a purpose. I mean, like I just said, I struggle with it too. I mean, I was meeting with a guy yesterday. He's like 
10 years ahead of me, what I want to end up being and too, you know, and you guys encourage me, we got to have that connection with people that are going through the journey together. We so often can get isolated when we think, you know, we're the only ones or whatever. But no, we remember we look to our left and we look to our right and we're all battling together. We're fighting together. That encourages us. We remember that we have a purpose and we keep our focus on a purpose. And for me, again, I believe God has a purpose for me. He created me as his masterpiece to do good works. He prepared in advance for me. That keeps me going too. It's definitely a grind. It's definitely a journey. It's definitely something. The resistance wants to play and I don't want to play with it. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that we all kind of struggle. And, you know, this is the best idea I've ever had in my life. This is the worst idea I've ever had in my life. This is the best, you know, and it's exactly. consistently going up and down. And it's such a process. And then once you get going, there's so much to do. Yeah, it's never ending. But I'll say this is I heard a quote once that said, your income follows your personal growth. You know, I listened to that many years ago and I look back now and I realized that as I began to focus on my own personal growth, that is what has caused me to succeed. Definitely. Exactly. I love that. I think it wasn't Zig Ziglar or somebody, one of those champions of personal growth and things like that. It said, you know, if you help enough people get what you want, you'll get what you want. Right. Or Jim Rohn or whoever it was. I love Jim Rohn. I talk about, you know, when you serve enough people, well, money will find you you know, those kinds of things. It's one of the rewards. And that's what I try to share with people too. It's not the reward, like, oh, I got all this money. It's one of the blessings. It's one of the rewards. I think it could be a good thing when in the right context. Yeah, definitely. I always think of marketing as the definition of marketing is actually giving. And if people understood that that's what it was, they would, wouldn't struggle as much. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, you know, when done the right way with the right integrity and ethics and, you know, it doesn't mean we don't try new things out of our comfort zone, but sometimes that comfort zone can be in a good way. Tell us like, Hey, if you don't feel good about that, you don't have to go there. There are other ways to do it. And again, back to your premise of giving is like when we seek to serve, we're marketing our idea. So many people, as you know, struggle with sales, that idea of sales. And I think sometimes it's because it was done wrong to them. But other times they're just concerned about rejection and other times they just don't know how to do it yet. And they're looking for leadership to help them do it right because they have a message on the heart. They have an idea they want to share. And that's what's made this country great. And yeah. I think there's too many dreams that are being put away as mine was too, maybe for you. I think you kind of shared that already. That shouldn't be for you know the wrong reasons. There is timing. It makes sense. There is something that should be done at a certain time. I get all that. But too many times the fear is driving us as opposed to faith. So. Yeah, definitely. So if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? There's a couple. That was a great question too. I love that. One was, you know, remember that you're not alone, that you're going to make mistakes. But as we talked about earlier, seek to, to climb the mountain of mistakes, not be buried beneath them. And don't wait. Like it's not going to be perfect. You're not going to be, but let's make progress. And gosh, I see that so many times in my life, throughout many of my life journey, even in the wine business, well, the presentation is not quite right. I got to make one more tweak or this YouTube video needs a lot of little this or that. Or oh. It's like, wow, that just held me back for so long in so many ways and have left opportunities on the table because of that worry. So I would say, Brad, don't beat yourself up or whoever's listening to this today, don't beat yourself up, swing the bat and realize that, you know what, you're going to get up for another day. Yes, definitely. If someone is listening and they would really like to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? I know that you've got a couple of different online courses that you offer. What's the best way of contacting you? Yeah, I try to keep it pretty simple. You know, I mean, I really want people to have access because I know there was people in my life, mentors, they didn't have to meet with me. They chose to. They allowed themselves that time to meet with me. They gave them access or they gave me access to them. 
And I want to do the same. So if somebody wants to help with their career and their finances, they want to help with their purpose and ultimately using their career and finances as tools to know, live and love their life purpose, they can just email me, brian at brianhorvath.com. Let's have a conversation. Let's just see what's the best thing. It may not be me. If it's not me, we'll direct you to something else. But brian at brianhorvath.com is a great place to start in addition to all the other social media and course channels and all that stuff we all have. So. Perfect. Well, and I will link all of those links down below as well as your social media so people can find you there. And Brian, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and your wisdom with us today. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for serving and for partnering up in this effort to help people know, live and love the purpose. Yes, definitely. And if you're listening, you want more information about A Call to Thrive, you can go to acalltothrive.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful day.